Mr. Jerry Jacobs Jr., when I, when I think about the sacredness of marriage, one thing comes to mind is how over 50 years ago, it was very common, at least in the United States, perhaps all around the world, for people to get married and stay married. Divorce rates were much lower than they are now. Even in places like the Black American community, which is a statistical nightmare when you look at um, some reports are saying nearly 75% of Black American children are being raised by a single parent. Over 50 years ago, that wasn't the case at, at all. It wasn't even, it wasn't even close to that. Um, at some points in time, Black American families had higher marriage rates and staying married rates than other co cultural groups in the United States. So looking from then to now, what are some things that, that you would say that would explain how we lost just this sense that marriage and children and family are sacred because they're gifts from God? Well, first of all, a lot of people aren't going to agree with me on this um, because I have had kickback from this, but the church's fault. Um, the Catholic Church is the moral center of the universe. And when we, when we stopped, when we sat down and didn't um, keep the keep things going the way it was supposed to be, um, then what happened was the moral center of the country just started going with it. Um, I remember when um, no fault divorce came. What did you hear from the bishops? You didn't hear anything. I remember when abortion came. What did you hear from the bishops? You didn't hear anything. Um, and so what happened was when the church didn't stand up basically when christ didn't stand up then what happened was people just started doing what they normally do we're broken we're broken and we just started doing whatever that we felt we want to do because people say listen if you tell me i can do what i want to do i'm gonna do what i want to do and that's kind of what happened in the black community um one of the things that happened that trickled down to well i'm you know uh I'm going to, uh, a lot of blacks do have the problem of putting their race before their, before God. And that is a big mistake. Um, you know, black power, I'm a strong, and feminists do the same thing. They put them being a woman before God. And that, those two things are from hell. Um, because why? Because Satan was the same way, right? I will not serve. And so when Satan decided he didn't want to serve, he's an angel. It was immediate upon his uh, intelligence. And so he was banished to hell. And so that's kind of how I look at it. Also, 50 years ago, 60 years, 70 years ago, however you want to look at it right now. You know, people want to blame Vatican II a lot and you can. But people back then, what they just started as Vatican II happened what started happening is people in the churches all over the world, especially all over the, the United States, they just started doing what they wanted to do. They started pulling the rails out. They started pulling statues out the church. They started doing um, stop having communion in the hand. They stopped do, uh, doing Latin mass. They stopped doing all these things that were sacred, that were holy. And a lot of things like I have a lot of Protestants in my um, in my program and man, I have to tell them a lot that, listen, man, the statues of the crucifixes are there to keep our mind and heart and soul on the liturgy, on Christ, on God, on what's going on. If I'm sitting there thinking, man, in the middle of mass, boy, I sure am hungry. 
<laughs> Bobby Cloud is passed over. And I look up, and then there's St. Joseph over there, or there's uh, St. Teresa of Lejeune, or there's Jesus Christ on the on the crucifix. I immediately do what? I immediately refocus, don't I? Um, most churches now sometimes... Catholic churches right now, they're basically empty. They're blank walls sitting there. Um, and it's it's pitiful. It's terrible. Um, beautiful. The reason the Catholic church is beautiful and has all these beautiful statues and beautiful ornaments and, and all of these beautiful things inside the altar and everything is to because beauty draws the eye. God wants us to come to church and the beauty draws us to him. Just like we were the Latin mass um. We were in Latin Mass on this Sunday, and we it was uh, we did the Dominican we did the Dominican right Latin Mass, um, and it was beautiful. It was beautiful, and I and, and the our altar is huge. It goes all the way up. It's marble. It's and I just when we're there, no matter how many people's there, I told my wife after Mass, I said, you know what? When I was in Mass, babe, I said, when you go to that Latin Mass, it like it takes you back to Jerusalem two thousand years ago. It's that feeling of it takes you back every Sunday, every Latin mass. It's like it takes you back to when Christ was alive and the Jews were walking around and Jesus were proclamating. It was just, it's, and if you think about that, it kind of does. So when we look at what happened in the Catholic church, you know, post Vatican II, just that loss of the sense of sacred, like you said, removing the rails, the communion in the hand, just a different type of liturgy. And you touched upon how that affected family and the this idea of like autonomy, like, well, man, I can just kind of do what I want to do now. And we saw that with religious orders, people taking off their habits, people leaving religious orders. And so it was a completely different time. But how do you think that also affected other Christian communities, because you talked on, you spoke on that, you addressed a little bit about how the, the Black American culture was, which is predominantly Protestant. So what was going on that even those communities were affected by a loss of the sense of sacred? Because you look at Black Americans before 1970s, and they, they were very much into their, their Protestant churches. Um, but now you look at them and there, you know, there's a bunch of women in there. Um, not, not a whole lot of men for the most part. And they're, they're largely not as, um, well attended as they used to be. So what was going on in the culture at large? Do you think? Oh, baby, that's a good one. So here's what I teach in my program. I teach the, the Protestants, especially, um, because and, and then I teach Catholics that come in that just don't really they're they're kind of falling away. They're not going to mass. They're not praying and things like that. And I and a lot and and I tell them I say, look, man, here's what happened. Before before uh, for fifteen hundred years, everybody was Catholic. Everybody that was a Christian was Catholic. Everybody was. We had the Latin mass. Latin was important. Um, it was the language of the church music or going chant we did all these things that you see uh, we we created these monasteries and beautiful orders and beautiful churches and i said then there was a priest his name is martin luther that got kind of uh, oppressed by a uh, demonically oppressed by a demon and he started to break away from the church which automatically meant if a priest can do it then basically we all can do it okay and so what I tell them is, for five, think about this, man. For 500 years, 
the Catholic faith, the Christian faith, Jesus Christ, his word has been watered down. Genera 500, gen 500 years of generations. Let's think about that. That's the problem, that when the faith is watered down, because when I, when I talk to them, they go, they don't really, it's like, where did you hear that stuff from? I said, dude, this comes from the church. <laughs> this is the church. Like what it means to be a man, marriage, and why you keep marriage today. Today I had a guy ask me, I said, there's only two reasons that you're allowed to separate from your wife or your wife's supposed to separate from you, um, and it's not divorce. It's the first reason is infidelity. The second reason is physical abuse. So this guy was on my podcast, and he said, he said, well, where is that in Scripture? I said, I said, well, I'm going to tell you what. I'm not a Scripture Per, you know, I'm not that good. I'm not good at remembering scripture, but I tell you that sacred tradition. I said the Ten Commandments have divisions of the Ten Commandments, and so in each Ten Commandment, there's these there are mortal sins or sins in each one, and a lot of like I did a series on mortal sins. I did a five part series on all the mortal sins, and a lot of those a lot of people don't really know what they are, know what they are because there's a lot of them, right? And I tried to tell him, I sent him to a resource to where he could find out. I said, but that's the problem with a lot of Protestants is, man, they only can read, they only read scripture, but they forget about sacred tradition. I said, the church has the authority to, 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 uh, to analyze the Bible, to, to analyze what Christ's word is saying. Um, and so that brings me back to, if you really think about what I'm saying for 500 years, how many, I don't know how many generations that is. But the faith has been watered down. So when you come to today, it's no re it's no reason why people are are totally lost, why they they're committing suicide or on drugs or or they're getting divorced. Eighty percent of the divorces are filed by women. I mean, come on! It's to me, it's no surprise, right? I mean, if you have this beautiful faith that Christ has left behind, and then for five hundred years, you know, it's been a, it's been like a secret. Because basically, think about it. David, from all the time when you first became a, a historian, a theologian, just think of all the stuff that you learned and you go, man, where'd y'all get this from? You know, and, and that's kind of because you it's lost. It's like this stuff, the stuff you haven't heard before. And I didn't really become really true Catholic until I was in my 40s. And still today, and other, there are other people like me, we grew up in a time where I didn't even know what a Catholic was. Didn't know what a Catholic was. I'm serious. I really didn't even know it was a religion, really. So how do you so how do you go from that to what I am now? Of course, that's the Holy Spirit and my beautiful wife. But my but my point is, man, you you know, I feel upset. I feel upset. I feel like I was robbed for my whole life. That like you cradle Catholics. I don't, I don't know if you're a cradle Catholic or not, but I my wife says, you know, I'm a cradle Catholic. And I say, you created a Catholic is so lucky. You got to grow up in this. And she, my wife's like, no, we didn't. We, you know, more you know, way more than I do. <laughs> but that's my point. That's my point, David. Is that can you really blame the Asians? Can you really blame the white folks? Can you really blame the blacks? Can you really blame um, the the Hispanics? Uh, because God, of course, God always says, I give you, my grace is sufficient enough for you. I understand that. But man, if uh, look at me for all, if it hadn't been for my wife, 
She's like five generations Catholic. Our boys are like six and seven now. I mean, if without her, I wouldn't be sitting here talking to you. And I didn't know anything because my parents didn't know nothing. And my parents' parents didn't know nothing. And when we look at like marriage, one of the reasons why, at least we hear why marriage fails, one of the, you know, I guess the exit interviews of some of these divorce courts is that a lot of people are saying that the, the two primary issues are financial issues and adultery. I think a lot of people can get adultery. I think Moses under, you know, I mean, Jesus understood it. You know, he says, Moses, you know, he allowed you to do that because your, your hearts were hard. I, I think, I think people get the emotional thing with adultery. I think that is, I don't think we have to really spend a lot of time on that one, but what's going on with financial issues and uh, talk about that, uh, Jerry, and how that's connected to like the loss of the sacred. What's missing there in marriage is that financial issues are one of the causes of these divorces. Well, I'm going to have to kind of go against that a little bit. Um, first of all, people use adultery and finances. That is just the result. That's the result. That's not the cause. You see what I'm saying? The cause is this. We can't communicate right. So my wife starts feeling resentful. I start feeling resentful. I can't stand her. She can't stand me. So what do we do? Over the next 5, 10, 15, 20 years, we slowly grow apart. Um, and then the other things kick in. You know, the kids become the problem. The finances become the problem. I go out and get another woman or she goes out and get another man. That becomes the problem. Those are just the causes. It's like today when you go to a doctor, used to be the doctors, they were called natural hygienists, and they allowed the body to heal itself. They just said, look, man, go home, lay down, don't eat, and just let your body do its job, and I'll come check on you in a couple of days. Well, folks don't like suffering. One of the reasons we don't like suffering is why? Because God's not around. Jesus Christ ain't around. We don't even know what Jesus Christ is here for, right? And so what happens is the doctor come, but so today what happens is nobody can suffer. They can't wait. Give me that pill, right? Give me that pill right now. And so that's kind of the way marriage is. It's the same way. We don't communicate. If I can't communicate properly, then we I hurt my wife. What people got to understand, especially as a husband, you're the leader, you're the server. And if you think that your, your family is going to change without you changing, you got another thing coming. Your wife, the way you talk to your wife means everything. If you raise your voice to her, if you don't listen to her or you or you or why she's talking, you interrupt her. If you call her a name, if you raise your voice and yell at her, if you don't give her attention, she starts to feel what? Resentful. Why? Because she's bonded to you. And as a man, you can hurt her way more than anybody else on the planet. And so when we start to, when we unknowingly starting to do that, start to do that, what happens is our wife starts to feel what? That he doesn't love me anymore. So then what does that mean? That means I need to get out of here or I get resentful or I start to believe, you know, I, or, and then I stop allowing him to lead the family. Because if I'm a woman, men don't understand. Women allow us to lead the home. We don't take it by the way we represent Christ in the home, by the way we show her we love her, all these different kind of things. 
And once we get into that kind of mode, then the communication really goes bad. And then what happens is everything just kind of flows from there. The emotional connection leads because for a woman, emotional closeness is everything. It's everything. Why? Because she's a nurturer. She nurtures the children. She nurtures you. And so if she, if there's no emotion there for her, she's like, well, what am I here for? And that's kind of where marriages come. I understand financial problems. Yeah, they add to it a lot, right? Or if I lose my job or if I'm not having sex or whatever, these are major or major, major problems, but they are just the result. Just like with the doctor and the natural hygienist, you get it. The disease is the result. Disease is not the cause. And today doctors don't, they don't really treat that. They just give you a pill and let the pill do the work. So it's kind of the same. And you brought up the liturgy earlier on the mass. And I was thinking about how the liturgy itself is a dialogue between us and God. This is why um, even I think every liturgical rite we could think of, even like the Dominican rite that you just mentioned, there's always this aspect of it where there's a call and response. I think in the Norvis Ordo, it's one of the, the the fewer liturgies that we've seen where the call and response is between the priest and the people. Typically in the older liturgies, the call and response is between the priest and the deacon or the priest and the altar service. But there's this exchange. This there's this dialogue. We see it in scripture throughout. Jesus calls his disciples. There's there's a dialogue between them. God calls Isaiah. You know, he keeps saying, here I am, Lord. So there's this always this dialogue. God is always calling his people and we're always responding in a nervous order. We know we're used to the, the, the responsorial song, which is always, you know, hard to remember like, Oh, what is it again? But there's that. I get the idea. There's that call and response, that call and response in Protestant churches is a little weird because the, it's the people aren't speaking the language of the church. You're just kind of making up their own thing, you know, and they'll just shout out to the preacher and he'll just say, say to your neighbor, that type of thing. But it, it you know, in the rudimentary, rudimentary sort of way, they kind of, they kind of get it. Now, and I, I think that, and that, so therefore, there must be something divine to this, this, this call and response. We even see it in the Garden of Eden, this dialogue, this exchange. So there must be something sacred about communication with God. Therefore, as as you as you talked about, and I want you to talk about just a little bit more in that context, like. How do you see communication in marriage and how does it relate to the liturgy? But but you mentioned that about how vital communication is to a marriage. So what's the relationship there? How this communication between God and man seems to be something sacred. We see that being brought out in the liturgy and the scripture. So how does communication become sacred in a marriage? Well, what I've learned is that when we make love, when me and my wife make love, we pray. I pray. I pray. She prays. And that brings God into our bedroom. And so when we make love, then because when we make love, it said that it said that we are renewing our marriage vows. Every time a married couple makes love, they're renewing their marriage vows before God. And so this is one of the things I teach the men in my program, that intimacy is sacred. It's something, 
intimacy is not supposed to be animalistic. It's supposed to be blissful um, because that way we have time to explore each other and we, we have time to explore God and bring God in. Um, and one of the things also is meditative prayer. So the way we really communicate with God is two ways. I, I, you know, you're a better person to answer this than me, but the two ways that I see is meditative prayer and then listening to the Holy Spirit when he comes and taps you on the shoulder. So the first way, meditative prayer, is there are nine levels of prayer. Um, the first level of prayer is vocal prayer, which is the least effective. And then the next level of prayer is meditative prayer, which is the rosary or the Divine Mercy Chaplet or a litany or something like that. Because those draw you closer to God and they're like a like a meditation on scripture or a meditation on the life of Christ or a meditation on the universe or the Our Father or whatever. So that draws us closer to God through communication too. Another thing though is, which is awesome if you learn to hear it and feel it and listen to it, is when the Holy Spirit comes and taps you on the shoulder and says, hey man, don't do that. Hey man, you might not want to have sex with that girl before you're married. Hey man, you might not want to you know, you might not want to, you know, embezzle that money, man. You might not want to, you know, say that bad thing to your wife or say that bad thing to your, to your, to, you know, the Holy Spirit comes or, Hey man, you might want to start thinking about your life as a man and what you're here for. You might want to start preparing for the end of your life. You might want to start thinking, Hey man, you don't have time to be playing around. You know, you only live here for a hundred years. What have you done so far to prepare for the coming of your particular judgment. And so that's when the Holy Spirit comes and talks to you and tries to tap. Say, this is that's the easy way God communicates, right? Then the third way that I, I look at that God communicates is when you don't listen and when you're not praying. So what does that mean? You listen to the Holy Spirit and you're not praying. So what does that mean? That means uh, you in trouble. That means your soul is getting too far away from God. And God doesn't want that, right? Because he wants you in with him in a particular judgment. That's why you're here. That's why you create those beautiful children to send them back to him. So when we don't listen to the Holy Spirit, which is the easy way of talking, or we don't pray, which is the easier way, which is the easier way of talking, then God does what? He allows the demons. He allows the pain. He allows the demonic oppression, the demonic obsession, demonic obsession, demonic possession in your life to get you to understand and to get you to listen and know that what we're going through, what you're going through, man, is you got to get, it's time you're going, you're getting too far away from me, our Lord Jesus Christ. And I need to bring you back some. And we all know that the, that a lot of folks don't listen. And most of us learn through what? Through pain. And so that's why Jesus Christ is in charge of all temptation. A lot of folks don't really know that. Jesus Christ is in charge of all temptation. Why? Not to really punish you, but to draw you to him. And when you look at society today, like 2023, you see how relationships are. You see how people, you, you know, you see the hookup culture. You see um, the, the only fans only type of things, you know, the, the porn soft porn, you know, just all various types of porn, commercials, TVs, just just the just the over sexualization of just everything. And before you were talking about, you know, how things used to be and, and you started 
um, mentioning some of the things that um, happened to get us to that point. So Jerry Jacobs Jr., when, when you look at society today and, and how it's not close even to the Christian idea of how relationships between men and women should be, what are like some of those things that come to mind that we've lost along the way that that people in the world are not even thinking about when it comes to relationship between men and women? Like what, what is just like completely off their radar that makes them sick and unhealthy in their relationships with each other? Well, first of all, no one these days loves each, each other enough to tell them the truth. And so people just, okay, let's just joke around for a second. You see a 300-pound black woman, and she's got red, purple, and rainbow hair on her head. Yeah, exactly. Does that look good? You think to yourself, who told you that looks good? Nobody told her it looked good. Or if they did, they lied. And so my point of it is, <laughs> nobody loved that woman enough to say, hey, girl, you know, just get you some regular black hair or gray hair or blonde hair or something. <laughs> You know, because it's not adding to her appearance. And so that's just a simple little thing to get us to talk, to think about what I, what, what you just said. We don't love each other enough to tell each other the truth, to sit people down and to tell them, say, hey, man, you might want to think about this. You might want to think about that. Why? Because today no one has humility. No one can be criticized, even if you do it in the nicest way. They look at it, even if you're their father or their mother or their husband or their child, people will cut you off and they won't speak to you again if you sit them down and tell them, hey, man, you know, you might you might be going to hell if you don't stop messing around on your wife. Like the problem, I, one of the things I was talking about today, um, I was doing my YouTube shorts just now before I was talking to you, great talk to you, and I started thinking about, you know, a, a woman, you know, going off and talking to divorced women. You know, to me, a married woman should never talk to a divorced woman because that's toxic. She's because misery loves company. And I said, why would you go and talk to a divorced woman when she can't keep a man? She's not happy and she doesn't know how to maintain a marriage. Why would you talk to somebody that's not where you want to be? That's what I was taught when I was a kid. <laughs> you know, um, and so that's kind of how we got to look at it. Nobody loves each other enough to tell them the truth. And also, the faith is not people, like especially Catholics, it's like we don't, like EWTN and all of these Catholic websites that are very good, but they never bring the faith down to the people of today. And you've got to, we've got to learn how to do that because one of the things I do is I try to bring the faith. And listen, I'm not a theologian and I'm not that deep on the faith. I don't know a lot of things, but on the specialty that I have, what I try to, which is marriage, what I try to do is bring, is, is talk to the person about their marriage as it pertains to their daily life in the faith and how the faith, their daily life and their marriage coincide. And it kind of brings the logic and common sense into it. And then that's how they get it. You hear kids all the time that leave the Catholic faith, no matter what color they are, 
because their parents really didn't bring it down home to them. They didn't bring it down and dirty to them with them. And sometimes with the faith, that's what you got to do. The faith is so beautiful. And if you don't really take the time, like the way we do in our home, I've done my whole life. My wife does too. We get in where we fit in. We teach our kids as lessons arise. Like one of the things now, the boys want to get married. So a few years ago, I put up Father Rupert's video on courting and we all three sat down and watched it. I just didn't bring them out of the back door. What I did was I waited till, the, till they were like really wanting to date and, 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 and court and be married. Say, hey man, let's, let's watch this. And we brought that, I brought that down. We talked about it a little bit, but we're always just talking about stuff with the boys, with our kids and stuff, just as a lessons, but not lecturing. And then, like, why are you going to church? Like, why are you going to mass? Why is why is God important? Now, look, we all know kids, no matter what you teach them as a kid, they're going to go out there and do what they got to do. Because sometimes you just got to learn on your own. But that foundation is there. That foundation is there, you see. And they and one thing I have learned about Catholics uh, in my little short time being one is they always come back. We mostly always come back. Even the ones that weren't taught their race doing Vatican II and this stuff lately, they always kind of come back. And that's a beautiful thing if you think about it. That's the Holy Spirit because that pain is hitting them or the real world's hitting them. And they're going, oh, I guess I do need God. <laughs> those sacraments like you're talking about. I need those sacraments, man. Yeah. So in the last question, as we wrap up your, your catechesis and, and your instruction here. So... The pursuit of the sacred, um, and you've talked a lot about things we've lost, uh, things we need to recapture. What are some, you know, if you were just give you like your, you know, you're on your deathbed, and you know you have your sons around you, your daughter around you. What are the, what are those what are some of those things that that you would say to them? As, as your final words and, and as your blessing, what well, was like the most important thing you've learned along the way? Because you've been, you know, married once, your, your first wife passed away, and now you're in a wonderful sacramental marriage with, with your wife now. Of all you've learned and communicated, what, what are those, some of those final things about just the sacred that you, you would pass on to your children? One of the things that I, I listen to all the time is that you know, that you know be perfect as your as your uh, father in heaven is perfect. We are called to do that. That's perfect in the faith. And you know, one of the things I teach in, in my program is, as a man, it's based off that scripture. Is like you never stop pursuing God. You never stop. You, you don't sit on your laurels in your marriage. You don't sit on your laurels with God. You don't sit on your laurels with your children. You don't sit on your laurels. Laurels. Those are the three most important things and relationships in your life. As a man, as a husband, as a father, those things come first. God first, your wife and marriage second, your kids third, and yourself last. And that's if I was dying today, that's what I would go with my sons and my, my daughter you know, is if you put your life 
in that priority and you serve those three entities above yours god your wife and children your wife your children and then yourself last you will see that your marriage and your life will be a lot smoother because you can have we talked about that earlier the financial problems uh the other weather problems uh, infidelity problem all kind of stuff if your relationship with god is good your relationship with your wife and marriage is good relationship with your kids are good all the other problems y'all can work through that together right think about it but ain't nothing worse than marriage problems nothing and so <laughs> this is how why we got to keep this together and that's that is what i would say never take god for granted never take your wife and marriage for granted never take your children for granted if you are a man this is your calling this is your mission you get that first and then as a man once you get that together you get your little butt out there in the environment and you start to influence your environment like you're doing david like i'm doing like a lot of men are doing we get out of the environment we influence that environment and we try to mold that environment to fight satan why because the government um even the church a little a lot of a lot of things that we look to us for protection they're not there anymore they're not there and we have to take responsibility i did a 21 series part series when i first started my podcast when we had the scandal in church in the 2018 scandal and i did a 21 part series why men in the catholic church were responsible for that scandal and a lot of things was manning up you know allowing stuff that wasn't supposed to happen and we just kind of sit by and let things happen and as a man in your family man you can no longer in 2023 you can no longer just sit back and come home go to work come home watch tv kick the dog kiss the wife have a little sex and go to bed you can't do that no more you can't this time this is a critical time in the history of the church in the history of the world and if you as a man, if that's all you do, you don't even get out and join a men's group. You don't try to influence the influence your environment at all. Try to mold your or even try to lead your home. What the heck are you here for? What are you here for? And that's what I think you're trying to say. Now, that's what I'm trying to say. Get off our butts and bring something to God's world. Give thanks to everything that our Lord has given us and try your best to not let to, to die to to die and not have done something especially with your family and your relationship with god that has changed your environment and that's what we're here for man that's it jerry jacobs jr thank you for this catechesis and instruction on returning to the sacred